Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. So last week, Laura Tuma led us through a discussion of anger and injustice that, I don't know about you, Jan, but it gave me a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of challenging thoughts in those Psalms. So um, what about this week? What are we going to talk about? Well, this week's going to be a little different than what we usually do. Okay. Um, And last week is a timely lead into our topic for today. It is a perfect confluence of events. If you love it when that happens. That yeah, I love it. God's anger and injustice flows into personal lament. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't it interesting, Lynn? Perfect timing in God's way of doing the calendar. Today is Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of us who do not typically follow the liturgical calendar in our worship services, I've got an explanation. Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. Okay, that may not help much, right? But Ash Wednesday is a holy day of fasting and prayer, and it's practiced by some Christians around the world. Mm -hmm. It begins a penitential season called Lent. And Ash Wednesday serves as a a very solemn reminder of our human mortality, the fact that we're all going to die one day, Mm -hmm. and we all have a need for reconciliation with God. That's why they put the dark ashes on your forehead Mm -hmm. in the shape of a cross, is Mm -hmm. to remind us that we will die one day. Yeah. So the trajectory we have here in these lessons is God's righteous anger, our conviction by the Holy Spirit, which leads to confession of our own brokenness, a period of repentance, Lent usually lasts 40 days, not including Sundays, before Easter. Mm -hmm. And then all of that leads into Good Friday, when Jesus paid the debt we owed God. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the great good news of Easter morning when Christ is risen and we are reconciled to God because he has broken the power of sin and death for us. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you grew up in a tradition that practiced Lent. Yes, I did. Um, We did have the disposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday, and we fasted and didn't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. We also had a practice of giving something up for Lent. Uh, This was meant to be a sacrificial offering. So as a child, it was usually something like candy or TV after school. Mm -hmm. Um, Sunday was always a day off, but my parents encouraged us to be strong if we could. Um, And I remember how long Lent used to feel to me (laughs) and how I would really struggle about what to give up. You know, as a child, you know, I was like, ooh, that's a long time to give up candy. candy exactly. Yes. Especially I, if your friends weren't doing yes, it. I, you know, I, I'm not really sure that I understood the point of it all when I was younger. <laughs> Probably You know, not. it felt to me much more something that I had to do than something that was meant to remind me of what had been done for me. Mm. Now, of course, as I got older, I had a better grasp of it and made different choices. Uh, For example, I slowly transitioned from giving something up to doing something. Um, And, you know, occasionally I'll do both. I'll give something up and I'll do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think following traditions can be very, very important. It it is for me. Um, But also for me, it's sometimes better for me to mold those traditions to fit me personally so Mm -hmm. that I can truly reap the benefit of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 
I remember practicing uh, giving up something for Lent with my kids because they went to a preschool that did that, uh-huh. right? And so when they were little, I tried to make it easy for them, and I'd pick something obvious, like I'd give up chocolate, right? Right. One year, they made me give up tickling. That was awful, I will just tell you. Um, <laughs> but one year, when the kids were a little older, my daughter came to me, and she said, I think you should give up something important, Mommy, that would please Jesus. And I thought, all right, smarty pants, uh-huh. what should I give up? And she said, you should give up fear. Oh, Yeah. Now, I will tell you, that was an amazing experience, not only that that came out of my child's mouth, Mm -hmm. but for what happened afterwards, because giving up fear constantly pointed me to the one whose perfect love cats out all fear. And that was a transformative Lent for me. I think it's been my favorite one. Um, Okay, back to the lesson. Our topic for today folds perfectly into this arc heading toward the cross, and that's lament. Now, you know, we've used that word a lot this year. And we've studied psalms that were laments. But this week, we're going to do something different. We're going to actually do one, okay? (laughs) Now, let's start by reminding ourselves of what a lament actually is. And I have a definition for you. Oh, good. Uh, A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Mm. A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. I think of Photographs of women in the Middle East who just wail when they are grieving. Not something I, in the West, Mm -hmm. am comfortable doing, but that certainly is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Mm -hmm. Now, as you said back in Alyssa 11, a lament is also uncensored prayer. Mm -hmm. That's about as brief a definition as you can get. A lament is not just whining or complaining, although we certainly can do that in most laments, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But a lament is really a prayerful response to the entire range of problems and emotions that we have just because we're human beings, right? A lament is one of the ways we can intentionally bring the parts of our lives that are painful or disturbing or traumatic into God's presence. It's a way of doing that. Now, anything can be a stimulus to a lament. Hurt, Fear, shame, anger, ill health, being ignored, injustice, anything. Mm -hmm. And we can bring these things to the one who can do something about them. So a lament at its heart is a protest. Hmm. Something's not the way it should be. And it can be an individual or it can be a corporate one involving more people. Okay. Right. Now, if you're like me, you probably think, well, why in the world should we lament? All right. Um, first of all, because there's a lot to protest in our world. Yeah. There, there are things that are broken beyond our ability to fix. We are broken beyond our ability to fix. Things aren't working the way they're supposed to. God's not behaving like he should. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's asleep or if right. he just doesn't care or if, if he's gone off to Madagascar somewhere. You know, where is he? There is great freedom in relating to our Heavenly Father in this way. Because there is no possibility of oversharing with God. Mm. You know, you can overshare with people and it's not appropriate. Right. But you cannot overshare with God. And therefore, a lament is cleansing because it's completely honest and open and everything's on the table, right? Yeah. It deepens our relationship with, our, with God. Um, it's, it's a lament is a way of growing in love and intimacy with our Heavenly Father, because He always accepts us. He doesn't judge. He mm-hmm. doesn't blame. He doesn't condemn. He's just going to receive that. Mm-hmm. 
So a deep lament is a confession of where we are and who we are and what's really going on inside us. And sometimes that's hard to know. Yeah. But interestingly enough, a lament can actually reveal to us where we are, who we are, and what's going on inside, right? Yeah. So you may start off going one direction, as I did Mm -hmm. when I wrote my first lament, Mm -hmm. and you end up discovering and lamenting something entirely different that is surprising to you. Now, a lament requires deep trust, as we see over and over and over again in David's life. You know, because we're totally vulnerable. Yeah. And when we let down all the walls with God, that takes a lot of courage. We're used to sort of holding him at arm's length. Mm -hmm. And a lament can't do that. Mm -hmm. But a lament also frees us from carrying whatever burden it is we're lamenting about, right? We can set it down. The burden doesn't become toxic. So in that way, lamenting can bring spiritual insight and growth and transformation. Now, the flip side of that coin is, if we don't have the capacity to lament, we can find ourselves growing more and more removed from God and from the world around us. We get more remote instead of more intimate. We become unable to be present with our own pain, sometimes to the extent that we don't feel it. Mm. Or we can't be present with the pain of others. We have no compassion. And therefore, because of that, we can't know God's presence with us Mm -hmm. when we're in pain. So that's another reason to lament is to develop the capacity for it. And then finally, there's another very important reason. Uh, It unstops our ears. Okay. (laughs) Let me give you an example of that. It happened just last week. That'd be good. I was lamenting a painful family situation, and I was on a roll, Lynn. It was just coming out, and it was messy, and it was ugly, and Mm -hmm. it was just all blurted out to God. But you know how when you finally get something off your chest, you feel that immediate sigh of relief? Yes. And you experience a few moments of absolute stillness and quiet? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what happened to me. And God spoke to me in those moments of quiet. The Spirit brought Scripture after Scripture after Scripture to mind. And you know I don't quote Scripture well, so that had to be a God thing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I realized that God spoke to my soul because I had vomited out my inner turmoil and struggle in this passionate protest. And there was finally enough space and peace and calm internally for me to listen. So lamenting well helps us to listen and to hear God. And I will say, even when he is silent. I like that image of you have to empty those out Mm -hmm. to make room for God to come in. Yes, yes. Well, as a recovering perfectionist, um, I can tell you (laughs) it took me longer than it should have to accept this gift of lamenting. And I call it a gift because I've finally realized that's what it truly is. You know, there is nothing more primal than honestly and freely pouring out the pain or frustration or sadness or whatever it is that's dragging you down. And I mean really, excuse me, letting loose those feelings of desperation Mm -hmm. to God without fear of being judged or abandoned. Or misunderstood. Or misunderstood. Yeah. And we can 
let it all out knowing that he is listening and he's not going to interrupt us. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen with people, right? Right. And he doesn't, he, we don't have to justify it. That's to right. Him. And that in itself is a huge gift. Yes. In a lament, you can say things that you're not comfortable saying to even the person you are closest to on earth. To me, when I'm lamenting, I'm for sure at my most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like that crab who has shed its hard shell and is waiting for the new one to form. It's a time when I'm completely exposed. It's not a feeling that I could live with on a daily basis for sure, but it always brings some kind of growth when I do go through it. You know, maybe it's a new perspective. Maybe it's just a release, but there's always something to and, be gained. I would trust the beach girl to come up with that kind of analogy. I can totally <laughs> yes. see that, the crab yes. that's shedding its shell and very vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, you've covered the what and the why. I assume you're going to cover the how um, somewhere oh, yeah. in this lesson. At the end. Okay. But first, we're going to take a brief look at these two Psalms, okay. Psalm 5 and Psalm 17. They're both written by David. Psalm 5 is a morning psalm. And Psalm 17 is an evening psalm. So David both begins and ends his day with God. Okay. In both psalms, David is crying out for deliverance. Now, we don't know the circumstances of the first one, but Psalm 17 was probably written when David was being pursued by Saul, as so many psalms were. Right. We've seen that over and over again. Psalm 5 follows a classic lament form. Um, it, it begins with a sense of urgency where David says, listen to me, Lord, consider me, hear me. And as you go through this psalm, you begin to understand that David knows God really, really well yeah. and trusts him completely to receive what David's giving him. Um, in verse four, David appeals to one of God's attributes, and that is his justice. It is as a just God that the Lord hates evil and wrongdoing and lies, and David can appeal to that justice. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, we need to back up and remind ourselves once again who David is talking about when he talks about these people. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's talking about people who have rejected God's kingship and their actions, which are a result of that rejection. Okay. Okay. He's not talking about blanket people. He's talking right. about people who've rejected God. Okay. And these kinds of verses, as we said last week, tend to make us very uncomfortable mm -hmm. because we prefer to focus on a God of grace and mercy, not a God of justice. But our Lord is both. Mm -hmm. And in essence, what David is saying here is, Lord, there's all this arrogance and evil surrounding me. Come do something about it. Mm-hmm. Now, as we've said before, notice David is not taking justice into his own hands for his own benefit. He is asking God to act. And I don't know what kind of strength it took to, you know, not give in to the temptation of self-righteous anger and taking revenge. Yeah. I mean, I, then when I think about how many times David did that over and, and backed over. away from it yeah. over and over and yeah. over again, it's amazing. The only thing God asks, I mean, David asked God besides to act, is he asked the Lord to lead him in God's own righteousness. In other words, make God's path clear to him. That's right. what David's asking for right. here. So he begins by seeking God's help, and he ends by seeking God's blessing for his people from individual 
to corporate. Mm-hmm. David is a great example of loving what God loves and hating what God hates. I love this psalm. Jan, I remember telling you at the beginning of the year that verse three of this psalm has become a really important verse for me. Uh, I often use it in my quiet time mm-hmm. in the morning to help me to anticipate the hope I have in what God has in store for me each day. And that is what David does in the middle of this lament. He reminds himself that no matter what he is currently experiencing, God will ultimately have the solution to his problem. It's a lament in every way, voicing his fears and frustrations, as well as reminding himself of who God is. And he carries that into Psalm 17. That's an evening psalm. Um, It points out, once again, the importance of beginning and ending each day with the Lord. No matter the crisis in David's life, he did that. Unfortunately for me, and maybe for other people, when I'm in a crisis, that quiet time with the Lord is the first thing that goes because I think I don't have time for it. And how ridiculous is that? David is a very good role model of this. Now, he begins the psalm the same way, hear me, Lord. Mm -hmm. It's obvious in this lament that David has a clear conscience. A false accusation of some sort has been made by an enemy, and David sees God once again as the righteous judge and appeals to the Lord to set things right. Mm -hmm. David's not claiming to be sinless, Mm -hmm. okay? He's just not guilty, Right. of this particular accusation that's being made. He's, he's blameless in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. So in verses 1 through 5, he asks to be heard. He asks for vindication to come from God and for the Lord to examine his heart mm-hmm. to make sure he truly is blameless right. in this situation. And then in verses 6 through 12, David's concern is for protection And his request is that God keep him. I love that word we talked about several weeks ago. It Mm -hmm. just is so intimate and warm. Uh, Once again, he describes his enemies in vivid poetic language, hungry lions crouching to attack their prey. And you can just see that. That's very, very visual. He's talking about people who are hard-hearted. As 2 Timothy says, they have a seared conscience from constant disobedience Mm -hmm. to God. And David is asking to be rescued from these people. He's not seeking vengeance, just that the Lord, the righteous judge, the gracious redeemer, act out of his own character and save David, Mm -hmm. as he has so many times in the past. He wanted God's intervention. He was not relying on his own power, which was considerable, by the way. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's what I said last week. He's asking that the law of reaping and sowing be applied. Let them reap what they have sown. I found a quote by Tim Keller that explains kind of this in a different way. He says, a self-absorbed life is always at the cost of everyone else. Hmm. A self-absorbed life is always at the cost of everyone else. David is asking that the wicked self-absorbed people Mm -hmm. pay the cost, Mm -hmm. not everyone else. Mm. Okay, I see that. So David's lament follows the pattern. He asks to be heard. He protests against the wrong. He declares faith in God's character. He relies on him to act. And he ends this psalm with just a hint of the resurrection. The last verse is, As for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. And that 
confidence is echoed by the New Testament writers when they declare that we will eventually see Jesus face to face Mm -hmm. and it will be glorious. That future is sure, Mm -hmm. and it is founded in our relationship with the Lord, just as David's was. Well, sorry about this. There is a lot in there. Allergy season, welcome to Austin. So I will say that there are lots of action words that speak to me in this Mm -hmm. psalm. Um, Hear and listen, show and keep, because these are all the actions that David is trusting God with. You know, he knows when he cries out to God that he is heard, and he expects that God will do what he has promised he will do, because God never changes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also a humility and a sincerity in this psalm that you can feel, because as you pointed out, David is not saying that he's sinless. He knows that's not true. What he's saying is that in this case, he is blameless, because he has done nothing against God. It's his enemies that are to blame. So, okay, let's get back to how we're going to write this lament, Jan. (laughs) All right, we'll get to it. Um, When I was first asked to write a lament, my thought was, oh, I can't do that. I've got nothing to complain about, Hmm. right? That was my happy, happy Christian face Hmm. talking. You know, focus on the bright side, the blessings, the positive, the praises, the gratitudes, all of that. But because it was a required part of this spiritual formation I was participating in, and because I always check off all the boxes on an assignment, I pulled out my pen and I thought of something, honestly, pretty innocuous to lament. And it started off pretty well. But then, as happens, the Holy Spirit started moving, right? Mm -hmm. And what poured forth from me through that pen was something completely unexpected, deeply painful, and deeply unfair. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked at the emotions I hadn't even known I was feeling. Mm -hmm. It was definitely lament-worthy. And you can't believe how I yelled at God. But through that lament, God wanted to show me what I was feeling so that I could step into my Mm -hmm. anger and grief and finally— Leave it with him for whatever he had planned. Mm -hmm. You know, when we hold all that stuff to ourselves and we think we're doing such a good job of hiding it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't do the work God wants to do with it. Right. We have to let it out and give it to him for that. So that was such a transformative experience for me. And frankly, I have developed the habit of lament. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a gift. But I am stepping out in fear and trembling and posting that lament under resources on our website as an example and assurance that God hears our deepest cries and loves us through them and will not reject us. And don't smile at me, Lynn, because I'm posting (laughs) yours too. (laughs) I know, I know. So as you know, Jan, I went through the same spiritual formation and I also had to write a lament. And it was eye-opening for me, especially in my case, because it wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. You said you were like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't have any... Yeah. thing to gripe about. I didn't feel that way. Um, the hard part for me was not prettying it up. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not the gifted writer or wordsmith that you are, and mine didn't flow out like poetry. It didn't sound like what I thought it should sound like. It didn't sound like one of these lamenting psalms. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's what I was feeling. It's rough and it's raw, and I'm sharing it 
reluctantly because I think it's a good example for those who might get stuck on the actual writing part of the exercise. Yeah. Just to see that it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be poetic. It's just pouring out your thoughts and exactly. your feelings. Exactly. Absolutely. I think, as a matter of fact, the best way to do it is simply to put your pen on paper and write what you feel. Don't edit. Don't correct. Don't worry about punctuation. None of that. Just do it. It's the best way of being honest with yourself and with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing it reluctantly, but I'm kind of forcing you to. So That's I'll, true. <laughs> I'll confess to that. Okay, here's some basic how-tos. The first one is pray. Mm-hmm. It's always a good place to start. It always is. Invite God to lead you to remember by the power of His Holy Spirit, and then be willing to go where He leads. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't fight that process. Pray first. Second thing is to take time to sit quietly and reflect on that experience or that uh, event or that pain or that loss. Uh, It could be a season of your life. Mm -hmm. Generally, the more recent, the better. But obviously, in my case, laments have a way of surfacing long, hidden thoughts and emotions, and that's okay. Just let them come. Right. Third thing is, what were the feelings associated with that time? Fourth thing, what were your questions about where God was or is? Mm -hmm. And then the fifth thing is, you write it down as an expression of prayer. Mm -hmm. um, Pour your heart out because God is good and it's loving, even if he doesn't seem it like it at the time. Right. So that's, that's the basics of how to do it. Okay. Traditional structure, we've talked about this before. It's an opening address, a protest or complaint, a confession of trust a petition for help, and a vow of praise. But frankly, the only essential element you need in that is the protest or the complaint. Right. You just need to authentically express to God something that has been painful to you. Mm-hmm. And there are many lament psalms that don't have all those the five points in them. Right. So don't get hung up right. on that. Every person is going to express themselves differently. Um, and, you know, you do yours differently than mine. You do yours in prose and I do mine in what's horrible poetry. It's not really poetry. It's just <laughs> writing in, I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's not that. Uh, I have a friend who's an artist and she actually paints her laments. Oh, that would be amazing. It, it is It is amazing. It is amazing. Now, if you haven't ever done one of these before, it it may feel pretty scary to be so open and so vulnerable with God. But we have the freedom to do this in Christ to speak what we need, and to say what we need to say. And knowing that God has judged all sin on the cross, He's not going to judge us. Mm -hmm. He's not going to shame us. Mm -hmm. He's going to love us through it because He welcomes His children to come to Him in everything. And and also remember, you're not alone in it. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit groans with us when we pray. The other thing, encouraging thing I want you to think about, is that writing an ament, a lament may be an essential step in healing. Mm. And I say that because I didn't even know I needed to be healed from what I ended up lamenting. Yeah. Because it was so deep inside me, I didn't know it was there. Right. So God may be using this lament process in some way to help you heal mm-hmm. and in some way to use that lament, that pain and suffering to impact others. Regardless, it will deepen your relationship with the Lord. Well, and the good news for all of the all of our friends here who are going to try this is they don't have to post it on a website and exactly. they don't have to show it to anybody. This is between 
you and God. Yes. You know, and, and if you choose choose to show it to someone else, that's fine. But you do not have to. So it, just be as vulnerable as you can possibly exactly. be. Exactly. Exactly. So it's pretty obvious what you want to leave our friends with this week. We are to re- write a lament. Absolutely. And if you are able to share it with one other person, because laments are individual, but they're also corporate. They're good for the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Trust God to use your lament. And if you don't have anybody to share it with and you want to share it, I'm I'm happy and honored to listen to a lament. Yeah. So just keep that in mind and go forth and lament this week. Okay. Well, until next time. <laughs>